You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, if you haven't recovered from Saturday night's wild UFC 249 event, it is time to shake off those cobwebs because the UFC is back tomorrow night once again. Hello there, everybody. I am Mike Hack for MMAfighting.com. Welcome to the official UFC Jacksonville preview show on MMA Fighting. And joining me live from Jacksonville, a couple of different people. First, let us introduce UFC reporter Laura Sanko, who is just so gracious with her time. Laura, how are you? Have you recovered from 249 yet? To be honest with you, I haven't. I, I took all of Sunday and just kind of chilled. And then I don't know. I literally don't know what I did yesterday. My husband, I was talking to him before I went to bed. He's like, oh, what did you do today? And I couldn't I couldn't even explain it. I don't know how I wasted an entire day. But now I'm in the position I'm usually I'm like, wow, I've got a, I have a lot of homework I need to do today and tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> it's and beautiful I'll- here, though. I've been going I've been going on a lot of jogs. I bet. It's a, it's a crazy time. And joining along for the ride during this crazy time, we also have MMA Fighting's Jose Young joining us as well. Embracing the grind per usual. How are you feeling on this Tuesday, sir? I forget what sleep is. I forgot what outside was. Uh, but yeah, it's a weird situation. I mean, in any other normal situation, Laura and I could do this in the same room together. But yeah, this whole social distancing thing. Yeah, it looks like we are in the thing, same room. I know. I was thinking, I'm like, why aren't we doing this together? Oh, yeah, social distancing is, is the thing. Oscar and I tried to do the preview show. I don't even know what day it was. They all blur together. And, like, fans were, like, walking up behind us and, like, looking at our camera. And I'm just, like, six feet, six feet, six feet while, while we're doing the preview show. So this is a lot safer, obviously. <laughs> Agreed. So let's let's get right into this thing. We have an intriguing main event in the light heavyweight division between a pair of former title challengers tomorrow night. Anthony Smith taking on Glover Teixeira. Anthony Smith's story to get to where he's at today is just unbelievable to me. He's had the fight with John Jones that he admits wasn't his best night at the office, bounced back with an impressive submission win against Alexander Gustafson. And he's had to overcome just this gnarly hand injury that has taken him almost a year to recover for this return to the octagon. Glover Teixeira has quietly won his last three fights, picked up a hard fought split decision win over Nikita Krylov in his last fight. Laura, this is an interesting fight at 205 pounds to cap this event off, is it not? It is a very interesting fight. And what's interesting to me is is they're both these, like, grizzled veterans. One of them just happened to be a lot younger than the other one. I mean, I, I, I'm i from the Midwest. Anthony Smith's from the Midwest. So I've been watching Anthony fight for a very, very long time. And it seems like he should be 50 years old based on the number of fights he has. Um but you don't get much more of a resume in terms of the UFC. Uh, you look through Glover Teixeira's topology, and it's just like, like a like a Hall of Fame roster. Basically, he has literally fought everyone that this division has had to offer for a very long time. Um, in terms of like Chuck Self, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think that uh, I think that Anthony Smith. I'll say it. I think Anthony Smith has the most underrated jiu-jitsu in the UFC. Uh, we all know Glover Teixeira has phenomenal di- jiu-jitsu for this uh, weight division. They both can they both can bang. I just think that it's possible that Glover Teixeira's age is going to catch up to him a little bit. Anthony's a really good natural athlete. The thing that I don't even want to say concerns me, but the X factor, I guess, that will be perhaps explained um, on, on, I almost said Saturday, <laughs> on Wednesday night, uh, maybe when I get a chance to talk to him. I want to know how much this the quarantine has affected Anthony. I know that he actually has come and trained in glory quite a bit because James Krause and Mark Montoya are basically mirrors of each other. They're, we're all sort of like one family. So he's had a camp. He's had a great camp. But the home invasion part of it and the psychology of that, the stress that that puts on your family. I know his kids have been sleeping with him. 
I have tried to sleep with little kids before and you don't sleep. Um, I know it sounds like kind of a random thing to sort of throw into uh, what could play a role in a fight, but you also have to imagine that he spent, I think what he described as five to seven minutes beating the brakes off of some guy without any gloves on. And I, I find it hard to imagine that there wasn't any residual like stress from that for him, you know? Yeah, a lot of lot of interesting things to unpack there, Laura. Jose, one thing that Laura mentioned that sticks out to me is that Anthony Smith does have that underrated ground game. He's known yeah. more for his power on the feet and knocking guys out, but his ground game is super legit. He's a black belt, and that's something a lot of people overlook heading into this fight. And Glover, of course, is known for his ground game. I think that sticks out to people more than anything. But when you look at this fight, what sticks out to you the most when you think of this matchup tomorrow night? Uh, well, I think you guys hit it on the head. He by far has one of the most underrated ground games in the division. I mean, he was on the UFC Quintet team in December mm-hmm. when I was at, and he I think he went up against uh, Jay Z Cavalcante at one point, and like he went to draws. It's not like he was he was outclassed or uh, submitted or anything. So, uh, and I remember vividly his lead up to the John Jones fight when I would talk to him. He goes, "I'm a jujitsu guy, and John Jones is not." So that is the one spot I think I can take advantage of. So you're not wrong. But Glover Teixeira has also had some uber impressive submission wins, uh, but they both have knockout power. So I yeah. really like this. Ma- I like this matchup that it's. It's not too jujitsu. Like we all talked about, like Verdum and Olenek, how it was like a jujitsu practitioner's like like dream for the heavyweight division, or like like Francis and Ganu and uh, Junior Dos Santos, where you know someone's just going to sleep, or like uh, Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje is just going to be like a buzzsaw and a wood chipper running at each other. Like these guys can like, if say one of them is winning the stand up and one of them shoots for a takedown, like no, there this fight could go anywhere and it's pretty much evenly split. So it's one of these super fascinating fights where no one really has the advantage everywhere because they're both so good. It's just a high level martial arts competition title implications out. Like I would watch these guys spar. I would watch these guys grapple and I would be excited. So, uh, uh, it's two evenly matched, uh, uh elite level martial artists, uh, that are just going to throw down for 25 minutes. And I cannot wait. Laura, as people in the circle are well aware of, we always look forward to the fight itself, but we also tend to to look ahead and think about what's next. And with 205 yeah. pounds being pretty interesting at the top with John Jones and Dominic Reyes and Jan Blachowicz, yeah. I want to get your thoughts, Laura, on what's at stake with this main event between Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira. Where does the winner go from here? Well, I definitely, uh, that's a tough one because Anthony obviously having already fought John and it's not a fight that he looked great in, you know, and he's, I think you said it in the, in the intro, he's, he's the first one that'll tell you that that's definitely an outlier in my book. I actually, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight again, but I'm also close with Anthony. So I, I'm minorly biased in terms of like, I want to see him get that one back. Cause I think it, I really do think it would look a lot different, but John does that to a lot of people in terms of, and moving forward, you know, I think, I want. I also want to see Dominic Ray as John Jones too. Like it's such a tricky situation. This is why I'm glad I'm not a matchmaker because I think Anthony. Interestingly, Anthony's uh, ranked number four. He was three and he dropped to four. Um, man, I, if Glover wins, it's if Glover wins, it's a little bit different. But when if Anthony wins, then you have this like MMA math circle at the top of the division. And I don't have a great answer for you. Is my answer. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think, Jose? I mean, Anthony sort of mentioned it yesterday on the virtual media day that, you know, Tiago Santos is a fight that sticks out to him because Tiago's going to be coming back. They fought at 185. We know how that one went. Do you think that's sort of uh, where this leads to if Anthony Smith wins? And then furthermore, what happens if Glover wins? It's hard. It's I hate looking 
past a fight because for all we know, this is an insane fight and they both get six month suspensions. And then yeah. like, who cares who they fight next? Because it won't be till like the winter or fall or even early. Like Anthony Smith had the biggest win of his career over Alexander Gustafson. That was last June and he's just coming back. So for all we know, someone could get hurt. But I agree with you. I like the Thiago Santos fight. Jan Blachowicz. It seems John wants to fight him. Um, Ratchik, I don't think, has a fight. Vulcan is out there. He doesn't have a fight. I know they, he, uh, Glover just had the win over Krylov. So there's not, there's not fights. There's obviously fights to make at 205 pounds, but I want to see the Reyes rematch really bad. I was cage side for that fight. I want to see Reyes yeah. Jones really bad. The winner of this could fight Jan. I don't think that's fair to Jan, but it also, I personally scored the fight for Dominic. So, we could be just saying like, oh, Dominic Reyes won. He get John Jones gets the immediate out. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. Uh, so I like I like the Reyes Jones fight, and the winner gets Jan. But again, it's it's hard to say in the the current climate of the UFC of if if Jan could even get into the country if he has to fight on Fight yeah. Island wherever that is. So there's there's a lot of questions that I need to answer before we can fantasy match make this this division. Absolutely. Co-main event in the heavyweight division. We have Ben Rothwell taking on Ovin St. Preux. Yes, the same OSP who fought for the interim light heavyweight title against John Jones a few years ago. But what was interesting about OSP at weigh-ins is that he weighed in at 240 and a half pounds. Like he outweighed more than half of the other heavyweights. He, on the outweighed, card. he outweighed three heavyweights on the card. It's unbelievable. He outweighed Alexi Olenek. fought for doom. Yeah. I had to listen like to, to make sure that 240.5 was correct. I, I had to go on Twitter and make sure that was correct, and everyone had it that way. But we have two powerful guys who both have signature submissions, Rothwell with the go-go, OSP with the Von Pru. Jose, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on tomorrow night's heavyweight co-main event. I love it. Uh, I, we had Ben Rothwell on the A side, and he has this uh, he has this thing where, for whatever reason, he gets matched up with a lot of light heavyweights coming up, like uh, Christoph Joschinski and the – I think it was uh, IFL. He knocked him out in like 13 seconds. And then he fights Brandon Vera and he knocks him out in the third round and gets matched up with Gian Vellante. That fight falls out, so he gets matched up with Ovin St. Preux. And I was like, why do they keep giving you light heavyweights? He goes, probably because they think I suck and they just want to take <laughs> advantage of me. Those are his words. So uh, I'm super excited for this fight. Uh, ben Rothwell said that every fight uh, he's in, he gets better, which the guy fought Tim Sylvie in like 2003. And like he's getting better. And Ovin St. Preux is... Uh, seems to be one of those guys that people keep saying like, oh, this guy could be good. He could be good if he goes to real gym, but he stayed loyal to his gym. And I'm really interested to see if this division breathes because he didn't look bloated or fat. He no. looks like built at, at heavyweight. Uh, I'm I'm super excited for this fight. If the winner of this fight taps the other one with their like if if Ovin St. Preux submits Ben Rothwell with a, with a Von Fluchok or a Von Pruchok, whatever you want to call it, that's a mission of the year. Like just lock it in right now. Uh, so I, after interviewing Ben, he really sold me on this fight just because he goes, ah, he probably thinks I suck and I'm slow and I'm going to prove him wrong. So I am super excited for this fight, uh, to say the least. Laura, I know. I'm, go, ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you go. No, I, I want to hear what you have to say about this before I follow up with you. Well, I was just going to say, I'm actually excited about it too. I've heard a lot of people like, this is the dumbest match. I like it. I think it's fun because it's so unexpected. Right. And like you, Jose, immediately I'm like, okay, how is OSP going to Von Flu, Von Pru, uh, how is he going to do this? And I guess the question to me is like, can he, can he get a takedown, right? Can he end up on top and 
he's done it. This is the thing. This is what I love. It's what I love about Alexi Olenek. Everyone knows that he's going to Ezekiel choke. Everyone knows it. And every, it still happens. It still happens. Like, clearly you spent time in camp working on that. Clearly Ben Rothwell, however long a camp he's had, whatever type of camp he's had, has thought about this. It is in his head. Will it happen? We've seen it happen before. And I'm kind of dying to see what goes on with that. Obviously, that specific dynamic. But OSP is like, I, I hate breaking OSP down. I hate it because there's no, there are no patterns I feel like I can find in the way that he fights, the way that he wins, the way that he loses. It seems he wins so many fights that I don't expect him to. And then he loses fights that I don't expect him to. And Ben Rothwell is a ginormous human being. And that's a lot of weight to try to take down and lean your shoulder into their neck. But Ben Rothwell is not nearly as athletic as OSP, not nearly as fast, no offense, Ben, but you're not. <laughs> and if, if OSP can, I don't know, can keep him busy, maybe challenge, challenge his cardio a little bit. Uh, I feel like OSP could get it done, but God, it's just, it's, I, I, it's a fun matchup. I like it. I mean, and to, to follow up, Laura, you, you've worn the fighter hat before. And with OSP taking this jump up, not having to cut weight, and of course he's going to have to mind his P's and Q's with a powerhouse like Ben Rothwell. But do you think he heads into this fight, you know, a little looser with a little less pressure than usual? Yeah, well, that's actually the thought I had because when I first saw that, I thought, oh gosh, he's going to be so undersized. And anyone seems undersized against Ben Rothwell. But as you pointed out, Jose, he looked good on the scale. He looked thick with a double C, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> in a good, he looks strong and thick. And that to me says that in the past, when we've seen him, he has been cutting a lot of water. And when you cut a lot of water, you get chinny. And that's something that people have sometimes, you know, said about OSPs that you can, you can touch them and put them down. If we see OFC, OSPs chin movement, just overall comfortability which is not a word in a fight um I, I think we could really see a fun a fun fight with a guy who may have been belonging at heavyweight for a while now it's a very interesting matchup um but i think the fight that i have circled on this card outside of the main event takes place at 155 pounds well, alexander guess, hernandez that's what i was gonna say i guarantee you mike heck brings up alexander hernandez drew Dover. that is a mike heck fight if i ever saw one <laughs> absolutely i mean it really sticks out to me i mean drew's been in the ufc since 2013 he continues to evolve and get better he worked with justin gaethje extensively for yeah. this fight since they were both preparing to compete around the same time and he's coming off a huge win over over nazrat hasparath that that nasty knockout and then you have alex hernandez who was sort of thrust into the top 15 after knocking out Benil Dariush in his debut, had the win over Olivia Aubin-Mercier, had the setback against Donald Cerrone, and then picked up the win over Francisco Trinaldo. Interesting fight at 155 here, Laura. What are you looking for between Alexander Hernandez and Drew Dober? I love this fight. I think it's going to be an absolute <clears throat> banger. Um, I think that Alex Hernandez is such a tough position to be put in when you do something pretty cool and then you just get set on this rocket ship that maybe you're not entirely uh, ent entirely prepared for. And I think that this is a really well-matched fight. I love his wrestling in this fight because the times we've seen Drew Dober get in a little bit of trouble, it's been on the canvas, but Drew Dober can bang. Drew Dober can knock a lot of people. He's got, I don't know, I've got the stat running around here somewhere, but he's got a super high knockdown rate. And he's coming off those two knockouts that you just mentioned, Mike. Drew Dober is super durable on the feet, but... 
I feel like, I don't know, I feel like Hernandez is going to do a good job of pushing a pace. And that's, he's, he's exciting, but he also can grind when he really needs to. He pressures forward. And once he closes the distance, he just grinds and grinds and grinds and puts a pace on people. And if you, when you're predominantly a striker, like Drew Dober is, you also have a favored type of cardio typically. So you can strike for hours and feel great. You can throw hard kicks and feel great. But when someone starts wearing on you on the canvas or worse yet, taking you down, letting you back up, taking you down, letting back up. There's a guy in my gym, Grant Dawson, that is like the king of that, the king of just killing your up-down cardio. I feel like that's something that Alex, I could see Alex doing here, slowing him down a little bit, taking away his power. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily, I don't know who I see winning, but I think it's going to be an amazing fight. Jose, what's interesting here as well is that to sort of add to what Laura just said, like Drew Dober has been in the game for a while. He made his UFC debut when Alex Hernandez was cutting his teeth on the regional scene as like a 19, 20 year old kid. And Alex sort of spoke about this during the, the media day yesterday. He feels like he's still sort of a mystery right now that his opponents, the fans, they can't really put their finger on who Alex Hernandez is as a fighter yet. How much does that factor into this fight in your opinion? Uh, it, I mean, it definitely put like, I think it's he hit it on the head. I'm, I'm trying to like when Laura was talking, I was like, what? Like we both know Drew Dober's predominantly a striker, but like what kind of fighter is Alexander Hernandez? Like I can't put him in a category. Like he definitely grinded out a win over uh, 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 what uh, uh, OAM, but then he got pieced up by uh, Donald Cerrone. But like everyone gets pieced up by Donald Cerrone. Uh, and to me, like he came out like a bat out of hell against Benil Darius, and there was some controversy around that fight with the the glove touch that he then uh, wasn't a glove touch that he said. Uh, but he, like, if you didn't know that and you just saw how he carried himself, you just assume this kid has been fighting forever. This guy carries yeah. himself like a seasoned veteran. Like, the language and the way he formulates sentences is fat. Like, is fat. I don't know why, but it is super fascinating to me. Like on the virtual media day, he's like, uh, "I can't envision any time I'm not a problem for him" or something like that. And I was like, "What a weird way to say that I can beat him anywhere." Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know if I favor him. I it, this is a 50-50 fight for me. Drew Dober looked really like really like crisp against Nazareth Hasparath in his last fight, but like he said, like Nazareth threw a real lazy kick. And didn't have his hands up, and Drew Dover took advantage of that. Uh, I don't think Alexander Hernandez is the type of fighter to make those mistakes, uh, especially in the middle of a firefight uh, against Drew Dover. So I, again, I don't know who's going to win, uh, and that this is, uh, this is I love this fight for that reason. Uh, it's these two guys that I think are meeting at the perfect time. Uh, they they look like if you just show me their bodies, they look exactly the same to me. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm high. I'm not as hyped about as much as no Mike. one has Drew Dober's calves though. No one has Drew gonna, calves. Matt Sarah might have Drew Dober's calves. He That's might be the only one that can Matt Sarah might be the only one that can challenge Drew Dober's calves. But you're not wrong. Uh, I am. It's two different kind of guys too. I was at the stare downs and uh, Drew Dober is just cheesing the whole time, yeah. and Alexander Hernandez is like that. And then like he, he like Drew Dober goes to shake his hand, and Alexander Hernandez just walks away. I was like. Saw that coming. I knew Drew Dover was going to try that, and I knew Alexander Hernandez was going to pull that. So, uh, yeah, I don't know who's going to win, but it's a super fascinating fight to me. Yep, completely Dober agree. Dober has such a baby face, but, he I does. mean, to your point, Mike, like, he has been fighting forever. Another Midwest guy, and I, I actually fought on a card with him. When I was an amateur, he fought on Titan, and uh, he fought one of my teammates. But, like, he's been around the, he's been around the game a long, long minute.
And yeah, I love I really like him training with Justin too, that having a teammate that's getting ready for a huge fight, the biggest fight of their career makes all the difference in the camp. Yeah. And Hernandez has been in camp since like January 1st. So he's been in mm-hmm. camp for almost, almost five months now, but I was, I was at Drew Dover's first ever UFC win against Jamie Varner when Varner knocked himself out. And that seems uh-huh. like it was 10 years ago. And it was it was 2014, 2013. I was in Phoenix. Uh, Drew Dober was pretty like two fight losing streak. If he lost, he was probably gonna get cut. And then Jamie Varner knocks himself out. Kind of got lucky on that one. But yeah, that seems like a long time ago to me. A lot of interesting matchups on this card. I know it's not as deep as 249 on paper, but as you know, Jose, I like to search for that quasi needle in the haystack on these fight cards. The one that people aren't really looking at that could potentially steal the show. So what checks off that box for you heading into tomorrow night? Uh, I would do, be doing a disservice if I didn't bring up uh, the Sajar Eubank Sarah Morris fight. I know uh, our uh, Alex Stavis, uh, our uh, camera woman extraordinaire, uh, always likes to highlight the women's uh, mixed martial arts fights, or as she likes to call them, just mixed martial arts fights. They don't don't have to attach a woman <laughs> in the front of it. Uh, I'm a Sajar Eubanks is obviously a polarizing figure. Sam Morris is come is coming off a, a missed weight cut, but she made the weight. So I have to sit, circle on that one. Uh, anytime you get a 135 pound uh, fight in the UFC, uh, because Amanda Nunes has been so dominant, has been knocking off so many contenders. It seems like same as 125 and 145 is another conversation. But like those two weight classes, every fight seems so important because they're not running out of contenders. They're just the match, like one win is basically keeping mm-hmm. you in that top 10, top five range. And one loss could be a huge detriment. So it might not be the most exciting in terms of the actual fight, but the stakes that it could lead to are super important for both women. Uh, again, like 125, 135, three wins in a row, you could fight for a title. So every win is important. Every fight is important. Yeah. So I'm circle uh, Eubanks Morris uh, as mine. Laura, what's yours? I like the uh, Omar Morales-Gabriel Benitez fight a lot. Uh, Omar is obviously new to the UFC. He's 1-0 in the UFC, but he's coming off the Contender Series. And he was one of those guys that I was really surprised that Dana picked up just because of his age. He had uh, a phenomenal win, a phenomenal win, but there was always kind of this thought, and I think Dana even said it. I don't remember what season, but he kind of said, you know, we're looking for this is the Contender Series, right? And you think of Contenders as being young bucks, on the come up and, but he fits that in terms of his record. I mean, he's nine and zero undefeated. He's a puzzle that has yet to be figured out, looked great in his last fight. And what I like about this fight for him is the weight class. I don't know that I like the idea of Gabriel Benitez, uh, who is obviously naturally a featherweight taking on one of the bigger lightweights I've ever seen. Uh, Omar Morales is a really, really thick guy fantastic kickboxing background and it is those kicks i mean gabriel benitez throws hands he's got amazing boxing really really solid solid striking defense but the kicks of Omar morales are another thing to contend with and when you add the fact that he's going to be the much bigger fighter the longer fighter it's just i I, i'm worried that benitez is going to have a little bit of a tough time uh getting in getting into range but the thing why i say that this is the fight to watch i mean i keep saying i'm making it sound like the I'm making it sound like Morales is going to blow him out. I don't think he's going to blow him out. I just think it's going to be a super, super, super exciting striking match because even when he's, even when he's down, you know, Benitez brings it every time. Even in his last fight when he fought Sadiq Youssef, there was a moment in that fight where he almost had, you know, Sadiq out of there. So 
you can't just look at someone's record. You got to kind of know humble with, this is such an aside, you guys, wouldn't it be cool if on topology or whatever, there was like a, a, a meter that came along, especially for decisions or unanimous. Like, was this a close unanimous? Was this a controversial split? Was this like an obvious split? Was this a blowout? Was this a close fight? I wish there was like a little rating scale. Sorry to digress, but anyway. There you go. We're changing, changing the way topology does. <laughs> Make it happen. AnimeDecisions.com and topology should just merge into one. Yes. There you go. I like it. I like both of those picks. Uh, I think after today and after the weight miss, Baby K versus Marvin Vittori sticks out to me because those two were jaw jacking when they were staring off. But I got to say, I got my eye on the curtain jerker in the heavyweight division. Chase Sherman is back. He's going to take on the 36-year-old newcomer in Ike Villanueva. Both these guys are on a tear. They both have finished wins over Rashad Coulter. I have a hard time believing that this one isn't exciting. It may not be the most technically sound fight you ever see, but... <laughs> If this one doesn't end in a finish, I, I just, I don't know. I can't shave my head anymore. Chase, I just don't know what to do. Chase Sherman, former bare-knuckle heavyweight champion, mind you, who lost his title to Joey Beltron, so that's no slouch right there. So, yeah, wow. you're not wrong. <laughs> For sure. Laura, before we let you go, and I appreciate the time very much, you've yeah. been in Jacksonville since Thursday of last week, I believe. How would yep. you, I guess, describe the vibe right now with everything going on in the world? Is it what you expected it to be, or is it sort of way beyond your expectations heading in with how things have gone down to this point? I don't think I even could, um, I don't think I had expectations because I just, this is all so new. And I've been, I've been very impressed with how things have, have been run. I really have. Um, it's it's weird because on one hand, like you keep hearing social distancing, social distancing, and that's not happening every moment of every day for everyone. But I'm 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 of the mind that like I'm of the mind that it doesn't have to. We've all been tested. We've all been here. I, I frankly, I guess I feel safer here than I feel many other places in the world right now, given the protocols that they've put in place. Um, it's it's different. It's just really different. Like my setup for fight night, uh, for UFC 249 was strange and hard to deal with, with the audio issues that we were experiencing and stuff. But my overall takeaway is that everyone is really proud and excited to be here. And the energy is while it's like, you don't know what to expect. You don't quite know what the rules are at all times in various places in Jacksonville. Um, Everyone's just psyched to be back and psyched to see each other and, and proud to be getting this show on the road again, quite literally. For sure. UFC 249 set a, set a very high bar for the, for the rest of the year. But Laura Sanko, everybody kind enough to join us on the UFC Jacksonville preview show here on MMAfighting.com. Prelims tomorrow night, kickoff at 6 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. Main event once again in the light heavyweight division, Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira. We will have you covered before, during, and after the event. Jose is our boots on the ground in Jacksonville, making it all happen. For the great Laura Sanko and Jose Youngs, I am Mike Cat. I need to work on my signs here. I can't keep up with Jose. I know. Well, we'll see you tomorrow night as we work on our signs. <laughs> Throwing stacks. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.